or today is the 7th of July, 2021. We come here to train our hearts and minds to set our hearts on this practice of Dhamma. So now that we've finished the chanting, now we put forth effort to training our minds to be in the present moment. This present moment Dhamma is to practice to train ourselves to be in the present, to see that whatever happened in the past has arisen and ceased in the past, and whatever will happen in the future will arise and cease in the future. And whatever materiality and mentality there is in the present, it arises and ceases in the present. So we think of the past and we may wish to fix or change things in the past, but this cannot be done. And the future has not yet arrived. So whatever we proliferate or think about in terms of the future, it won't be exactly the way we think of it. So we train ourselves to have a lot of mindfulness in the present moment, to put forth effort to be mindful in the present, to see arising and ceasing in in the present. The Dhamma that the Buddha taught on Asalaha Puja is this nature of arising and ceasing. Whatever is of the nature to arise is of the nature to cease. And this is normal and natural. That whatever it is, all things which arise, whether it's a materiality such as the body composed of these elements of earth, air, fire, and water, or human or animal, and also vedana or feelings that arise in the body and mind. There's also the the brain with memories, with knowing. And it may be the case where the brain has uh, some problems, but the jitta, the mind, knows that the brain is unable to recall, unable to remember. For instance, one may forget the name of, of somebody, but one's able to remember their face. One's able to remember that one had a liking or a disliking. Even from a long time ago, it's possible to remember this. So we may remember the past and remember this liking or disliking, but it's arisen and ceased already. And whatever uh, conditions, whatever sankaras there are, whether meritorious or demeritorious, they all arise and cease. All thoughts, all proliferation in the past have all arisen and ceased. And this clinging, this attachment, has uh, clung to materiality and mentality as self in the past as well. All the objects of the six senses of the body, the eye, the ears, the nose, the tongue, and the mind, is all clinging to them all as self in the past. And there's also the, the aggregate of consciousness, which uh, is aware of these memories and feelings and so on. And whatever pleasure or pain that arises in the present uh, knows this as well. The Buddha taught to put down the past, 
not to proliferate about the future, but to be in the present. And so we practice uh, loving-kindness meditation, metta bhavana, may I be well, may I be happy, may I be free from affliction, free from enmity, free from ill will, may I be free from suffering. So one spreads loving-kindness to oneself in this way. And similarly, spreading loving-kindness to all beings, may they be well, may they be happy, May they be free from affliction, free from enmity, free from suffering. And uh, why is this? Well, it's because all beings already have their own karma, so we don't wish to add anything to it. We don't wish them any harm or pain. And so we see that materiality and mentality, it's all not self but this knowing element is lost in clinging and attachment, clinging to the body and mind as me and mine as a self. But if this knowing element has clear knowledge arise, then it knows that the body and mind is not self, not me, not mine. So therefore, one must train this knowing element. One can't just let this knowing element go according to its habits, because if one just lets it go, then clear knowing can't arise. One must train and must practice. This is true for all beings. For instance, animals uh, must be trained, but they can't do this by themselves. They must have someone come help. But for humans, if someone tells the human how to train themselves, then the human is able to do it on their own. They're capable of training themselves and being trained. And this is a type of merit to have a brain that is able to be trained. For instance, animals, their brain may feel more like a three-year-old and not progress beyond that. They're not able to develop and be trained like a human can. So this is our good fortune that we have minds that are trainable that can be trained to know clearly the present moment, which we call mindfulness. So when the breath comes in, we know this. And when the breath goes out, we know this. We cultivate loving kindness and we practice in this way. Practice not to have anger, not to wish harm on any being. Because these lives of ours are unstable and impermanent, they must end in death. All lives uh, end in death for sure. And there's no one in charge, there's no owner of the world. Being in this world, while we're here, we have the chance to build parami, spiritual virtues, to give rise to more and more parami in our minds, to give rise to more clear knowing in the mind. So therefore, we train ourselves in sila, in virtue. And the benefit of sila is that the mind is peaceful and at ease, able to be collected in samadhi. And this samadhi is something we must cultivate a lot. And we can look at the story of Venerable Anya Kondanya, who was a Brahmin youth who prophesied that Prince Siddhartha, the Bodhisattva, 
would become a fully awakened Buddha for sure. And out of 108 Brahmin priests, he was the only one who gave the sure prophecy. The other 107 Brahmins said that they, that the Prince Siddhartha had two options. He could either become a fully self-awakened Buddha or he could become a wheel-turning monarch. This was based on observing the physical characteristics of Prince Siddhartha's body. So after giving this prophecy, the young Anyakundanya uh, trained himself in samadhi for a long time because he knew that the fully awakened Buddha would come one day. And when this day did come, the fully self-awakened Buddha arose in the world and the Buddha entered the bliss of liberation for 49 days. And on, upon completion of this 49-day period of savoring the bliss of liberation, the Buddha considered who to teach, and he saw that Venerable Anikandanya was capable of understanding the Dhamma along with the other four ascetics. So the Buddha through his loving kindness, went to go teach the group of five ascetics. But upon arrival, the five ascetics didn't want to listen to the Buddha. But the Buddha said softly and sweetly, this, what I'm saying, have you heard this before? Have you ever heard me say that the fully self-awakened one, the Tathagata, has arisen in the world? Have you ever heard me say this? And the five ascetics had never heard this been said. So therefore, at this point, they were ready to listen to the Buddha teach. And at this point, Venerable Anyakondanya was already old. We can think that perhaps he was about 20 years old when he gave the prophecy for Prince Siddhartha. And then he waited for 35 years for the Buddha to arise in the world. So perhaps he was roughly 60 years old at the time of the first teaching. And he really set his heart on listening to this teaching. And what the Buddha taught is that whatever is of the nature to arise is of the nature to pass away. He taught the truth of reality, the truth of nature, that everything is of the nature to arise and cease. And for ourselves, we may wish for eternal life, we don't wish for arising and ceasing. And individuals may practice absorptions, they may practice jhanas to a high degree, bringing their mind to refined states of deep samadhi. In this way, the mind is at the level of a Brahma deity, even a formless Brahma deity. But still, the mind in this state has not overcome suffering, it's not succeeded in overcoming suffering. But for an individual who has a high degree of samadhi, they're able to see the Dhamma and succeed in this easily. For instance, the two teachers of the Buddha when he was still a bodhisattva, Alara Kamala and Udaka Ramaputta, the Buddha saw that they would be ripe to receive the teachings, but he wasn't able to teach them because they'd already died and gone to a realm where they're not able to receive teachings. But Venerable Anyakandanya, he was able to listen and understand the truth that 
all things are not self. He saw the Dhamma. And this was in the Dhamma Chaka Pawatana Sutta, the discourse that set the wheel of Dhamma turning, where the Buddha taught as well the Four Noble Truths, the truth of suffering, a cause of suffering, a cessation of suffering, and the path leading to cessation of suffering. And one sees that all materiality and mentality is suffering, it's unstable. And when one sees this clearly, the mind becomes bright. This is seeing the Dhamma. So after this first discourse that the Buddha taught, two days after, three days after, four days after, five days after, the Buddha continued to teach the five ascetics, Venerable Asaji, Venerable Mahanama, and so on. And they succeeded in realizing stream entry one after another. Like Venerable uh, Wapa. And the Buddha taught about not-self, the truth of anatta. And so they'd already realized uh, Sodapana, each one of them. And at this point, the Buddha gave his second discourse on not-self. And the Buddha asked the group of five ascetics, are the five aggregates, the body and mind, is it permanent or impermanent? And they said, uh, impermanent. And the Buddha asked, is it happiness or suffering? And they answered, it's uh, suffering, it can't last. Then the Buddha said, well, if it's unstable, impermanent, and it's suffering, uh, should it be clung to as me and mine? Is it appropriate to cling to it as self? And the five ascetics answered that uh, no one shouldn't cling to it as self. So at this point, the minds of the five ascetics gathered together, and they realized full awakening, arahantship. This was at the deer park at Isipatana. So therefore, we contemplate our bodies, we contemplate materiality. We can ask, is it permanent? Is it stable? And the mind sees that it's impermanent, it's unstable. And you can ask the mind, well, have you ever seen the body, any seen, seen any aspect of it that's permanent and stable? And you can just look at the breath, see the breath come in and out, arise and cease. And one can ask, well, can it last? And the answer is no. So every day we see the COVID virus spreading, and we see that the virus uh, destroys the human body, destroys the, the lungs and other bodily systems. And so we consider that the body is the home of disease and that the body must die. It's impermanent, it can't last. If it's an older person, then they may die quickly. And even young people also can die from this. So therefore we should be careful. We should be careful and realize that our lives won't last forever. But while we are alive, we have this great opportunity to build merit and goodness. Just like we look at nature and we see that leaves are always falling from the trees, fruits are always falling from the trees. Nature is teaching us all the time, teaching us about impermanence. 
that things are impermanent and unstable, and this is their nature. They degrade and pass away in time. All phenomena, all objects pass away like this. It's all impermanent. Or we can look at the example of animals eating up uh, wood and eating leaves and objects degrading like this. So this is the way of nature. This is how it is. We can also see there may be an accident. There may be a fire spreading, whether caused by nature or caused by humans. And this fire can consume uh, very large areas. Or perhaps things get destroyed from, from war and conflict and so on. But really, nature is already impermanent. It's already degrading. So may you contemplate to see this clearly, to see anichang, impermanence. So contemplate this, train to bring your mind to peace and collectedness, which will give rise to more and more wisdom. So you can sit and contemplate, having done your loving-kindness meditation already, Use your mindfulness to contemplate the body. Ask, is this body impermanent? Is it unstable? And in this way, samadhi can arise bit by bit. This is using wisdom to teach the mind to give rise to peace. This is something that uh, one is able to do. So may you practice and train your minds in this way. Practice like this to see clearly into the truth to see the Dhamma clearly, just like Venerable Anya Kondanya, who saw the Dhamma on Asalaha Puja. May you all set your hearts on this practice, all the monastics. You can sit in samadhi for long periods of time. You have a good opportunity here. Every day you can practice to sit at least three hours or more. You can sit in the early morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening. Once you're done with your chores, you can come at 6.45 p.m. to sit meditation for one hour, and then listen to Dhamma after that. Having listened to the Dhamma, then you can sit for one hour more. So this is two hours already. And then in the early morning, you can sit for one hour when the weather is nice and cool. And then in the afternoon, uh, you can sit for another hour. So this is five hours already. This is something that uh, one is capable of doing. So try it out and see for yourself. Put effort into your Dhamma practice. Then in addition to the sitting meditation, one can do walking meditation as well, over and above the five hours already mentioned. So this is a very good chance, a good opportunity whether one is a monk or a novice, this is something that one can do, one can practice. And for the lady, the lady practices according to their, to what's appropriate for their life. And for the lady, they should sit at least every day to sit in meditation. So may you all set your hearts on this practice. <laughs>